In 2017, BuzzFeed Video's The Try Guys conducted what was supposed to be a somewhat humorous look at who among them was the most attractive. Could such a thing even be scientifically measured? Well, they set out to prove that it could. When you look at each of the men, what you see is pretty striking and sad snapshot of today's average urbanite, cubicle-dwelling modern young guy. Each of the men is rail-thin, lacking muscular definition, slightly balding, and possessing gay or gay-adjacent mannerisms. Think lots of lisps and flamboyant gesticulations of the hands and crossed legs. In appearance, bearing, and physical traits, the Try Guys are certifiably effeminate. They're gay, and it's physically, visibly noticeable. But what's most interesting, perhaps, is that these outwardly effeminate men, who are all between the ages of 25 and 34, shared something else in common. They all had incredibly low levels of testosterone. Their blood tests revealed that the highest testosterone score among them was 363 nanograms per deciliter, which is below the average for an 85-year-old man of 376 nanograms per deciliter. For reference sake, the average man in their age range has a T level of roughly 617 nanograms per deciliter. It brings up an interesting question. What exactly is testosterone? Well, for starters, it is a hormone produced primarily in the male testicles. It is, according to Andrew Huberman, the distinctly masculine hormone that makes hard things feel pleasurable. It is what makes men, well, men. It's what gives men a drive to do hard things, to embrace physical challenges like weightlifting and other physically daunting tasks, brutal hard work, Testosterone is what promotes recovery and overall strength, and it gives men mental sharpness and acuity. A lack of testosterone, by contrast, leads to weak, frail men who are less capable or driven to build things, to reproduce, or defend civilization. They are less aggressive, less assertive, and as a result, less courageous. According to the Mayo Clinic, testosterone is also the key driver behind bone density muscle mass, lean physique, facial and bodily hair, sperm production, red blood cell production, and sex drive or libido. In other words, all the things human societies throughout the ages have rightly associated with masculinity is owing to this hormone present in the body of testosterone. Testosterone also contributes massively to overall health, whereas its decline brings about aging and ultimately death. When you see the statue of David, in other words, you should associate that with high levels of tea. And when you see the opposite, for example, the Try Guys or a lumpy, overweight gent with man boobs and love handles, more than likely what you're seeing is the outward expression of an inward condition, low tea. The Try Guys aren't an anomaly, however. Instead, they are becoming the new normal in the Western world. Why is that? Why are men weaker than ever, smaller chested than ever, and lacking muscle mass and grip strength? They're increasingly overweight. Why are these conditions getting worse and worse? Why do all the observable features of masculinity keep diminishing? Why are testosterone levels plummeting year over year? And finally, what are the long-term effects of weak, infertile, and easily controllable men? Well, we'll talk about this and more in this episode of the Hard Men Podcast. You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. 
Well, as I said in the cold open, the Try Guys represent a fairly colossal shift in Western society, and that is what I'm calling the rise of the beta male, right? This has become the new normal. It used to be culturally that you would see some of these guys sometimes, but now you're seeing the trend that most guys tend to be in this category. It's what's even celebrated as the ideal and as the model for men. So in this episode, I want to talk about what exactly the beta male is, why it has become the norm, and why that is so destructive to Western civilization, and this building project that we've called New Christendom. I'm going to argue that Christendom can't really be rebuilt until we recognize, diagnose, and properly treat whatever is going on with our men and with their hormonal physical conditions. Like every great civilization before us, Christendom will be built by virile, strong, and courageous men. It cannot be any other way. It will not be built, on the other hand, by limp-wristed, small-chested, low-T soy boys. It just won't happen. So in this episode, I want to begin by unpacking and asking this question, what is a beta male? You hear this get thrown around quite a lot online, on the Twitter, and on Facebook, social media. You see it all the time on places like TikTok and in videos. But the real question is, what is a beta male? Well, according to the always reliable Urban Dictionary, a beta male is, quote, a man who lacks masculine energy and adopts feminine characteristics. He often faces problems or confrontations passively, and he is often taken advantage of due to his nice guy persona, end quote. So the example they give with that definition is this. Only a beta male apologizes to his wife after she cheats on him. Ouch. In other words, only a pathetic wimp would apologize to his wife for her sinful behavior. He's a Wustafarian cuck that allows himself to be emasculated by another man and then utterly trampled underfoot by him and by his wife. As a result, this personality is disgusting. It's spineless and it's ultimately unworthy of respect either from men or from women. Now, Urban Dictionary provides a good definition here, I think. Beta males are those who lack masculine energy. They're passive, and they revert to a nice guy persona. They aren't strong, and they're not properly assertive as a man should be. As a result, other masculine men are going to despise them, and as I said, so will women, at least if they're willing to admit that publicly. Interestingly enough, Hollywood has tried to make beta males seem somewhat heroic and ideal, whereas it didn't used to be that way. Right in the old days, even in the 50s, that's not that long ago, you had men like John Wayne and Steve McQueen, maybe Charlton Heston, right? But now the new leading roles in movies are given to beta males, not these brawny, masculine men of the past, right? We're giving the lead roles to guys who are sensitive, guys who are thoughtful, guys who are frail. And guys who are in touch with their emotional selves. A good example of this would be the 2018 cover of The Hollywood Reporter. And the title on the cover was The Triumph of the Beta Male. Well, what else was on that cover? Well, it featured the cast of HBO's Silicon Valley, which is a show I've never watched. They were standing in line with their right hands in the other dude's pockets. It was predominantly, well, gay. The message is quite clear. Even if these guys aren't openly practicing homosexuality, today's ideal man that's celebrated in the culture is supposed to be easily confused for a sodomite, right? They have an effeminate bearing, they have penciled thin chests, 
tight-fitting slacks, turtlenecks, and skin that never seems to see the light of day. Well, anyway, you get the picture. Sadly, the American church has shifted its masculine ideal to embrace this softer version of the quote-unquote ideal man. As the title of Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, typifies, the modern church is far more likely and comfortable when speaking about Jesus as soft and gentle and compassionate. They'd rather ignore the parts of the Bible that describe Jesus as fierce or strong or courageous. Our Bibles, it seems, are read today through feminist lenses and marked with Barbie pink highlighters. We can contrast this against historic definitions of masculinity, which on the other hand typify what men are supposed to be. For example, the Latin word for masculine is vir, which is the word we get for virtue. The Latin vir means literally heroic, courageous, manly, or honor. Similarly, in 1 Corinthians 16 13, Paul charges the church to, quote, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now, the word Paul uses here for acting like a man is andrizo, which means, quote, to behave like a man, to play the man, to be brave. In other words, to act as a full-grown, mature man, and figuratively, to be responsible and courageous by taking the initiative. What's so interesting for Paul here is that it was simple. Men ought to act a certain way in accord with their God-given masculine nature. That's what Paul's saying. And he's saying that that nature was knowable and obvious to his listeners, which is why he could tell the church to act like men and then not have to give a phone book length definition or qualify his statement to death. You can imagine if you said today, act like men on Twitter. Well, what's a man? People can't even answer that question, let alone what a man is supposed to be like. Well, the definition of Vir and Andrizo tells us you're to be strong, you're to be courageous, you're to be brave. Here's the very important biblical point. Effeminate, passive, weak beta males aren't the biblically faithful pattern for masculinity. They aren't acting like men at all, in fact, but they are sinning against their very nature. God has given men a particular nature, a masculine nature, and then he calls us to live up to it and into it. We're to lean into that masculine nature. That nature is supposed to be courageous, strong. It's meant to carry the load of responsibility in the path of sacrificial service for one's people and place. Again, men need to be called to embrace and lean into their God-given masculine nature. They are to act like men. Another question arises in the midst of this discussion, however. Why is the beta the new normal? It's obvious that masculine men aren't celebrated in today's world. Instead, we're constantly bombarded with this toxic masculinity blitzkrieg of anti-male propaganda, right? The partnership with Hollywood and our re-education camps, I mean, excuse me, public schools, have been a huge part of instilling in the masses a gag reflex at anything remotely resembling masculine nature or masculine virtue. Uh, working out while well, you read the headlines that's actually white supremacy and it's toxic masculinity. So please don't do that. Developing physical strength, also toxic. Having a capacity for violence, definitely toxic, probably even criminal. Heck, many forms today of simply honestly pursuing, dating, or expressing interest in a woman, things that used to be called manly, well, now you could get charged with sexual harassment in the workplace. Not surprisingly, there has been an increase in the number of beta males at the societal level. But the thing is, it goes beyond education, media, and other societal influences. 
As Ra'ig nationalists, or Wren, points out in his book, The Eggs Benedict Option, there's a clear globalist agenda that is aimed at disrupting the hormones of men and women in general and emasculating men in particular. Now, I'll talk more about that book in another episode, but for now, here's the takeaway. The same globalist elite that is obsessed with population control is also in control of your food supply, not to mention the medical industry, and they've been using the food for decades to nutritionally castrate you. You hear that again. They're using the food system to castrate and to control. Seem far-fetched? Well, here's what Paul Ehrlich, a Stanford University professor and author of the book, The Population Bomb, said in 1969, quote, the government might have to put sterility drugs in reservoirs and in food to limit multiplication, end quote. Right, that's a shocking statement, but this stuff isn't conspiracy theory. It's what the World Economic Forum people are saying out loud. Those affiliated with the same World Economic Forum, like Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, meanwhile, continue to advocate for measures against population growth, right? They want population control in conjunction with, you guessed it, plant-based diets, lab-grown meat, and other fake foods. It's interesting because Ren points out in Plato's Republic, Plato actually says, if you want to create a society that is tyrannized and easily controlled, you most definitely have to make them vegans, right? They understood that red meat produces, well, red-blooded men, and that is undesirable if you're an active tyrant. Let's also look at the data. Processed food and refined carbohydrates are responsible for an unprecedented rise in the 20th century of chronic disease, including heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. And if you don't believe me, check out The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teckles or Sacred Cow by Diana Rogers and Rob Wolf. You can also read Metabolical by Robert Lustig. There's lots of books on this subject matter. After all, it turns out it was never animal fat that was killing people. That was a lie. It was all the processed foods, the seed oils, the fake sweeteners, and the refined carbohydrates. All the stuff, by the way, the CDC and others told you to be eating. Those were the things that were causing chronic disease at rates we never saw before about 1900. And you know what all that sugary, refined, processed food is also doing? It's screwing with your hormones. In other words, the diet described by the CDC, the American Heart Association, for the last many decades and enshrined in things like the food pyramid, you know, this high-carb, low-fat diet, it's actually horrible for hormone health and in particular for men. It has actually harmed rather than helped Americans. It is one huge reason why testosterone, you know, the hormone that causes men to act like men, is plummeting. One can't help but think that this is on purpose. And that's exactly the case that Ren makes in the Eggs Benedict option. We are sort of living in the Wally world. You know, the movie Wally. Everyone in the movie is heinously obese. They live on a floating spaceship called the Axiom. There's no need for exercise, right? No need for tiresome food production or even gravity. So everybody's joints get weak and they get fat as they lie on these floating couches. Right? The Starliner spacecraft, of course, is built by B&L, which is supposed to stand for by and large corporation, but it might as well mean big and large, you know, like all the people on the ship. All these lethargic, worthless, fat people one can't help but think it's sort of like this end times paradoxical look at maybe what America is becoming. We have just 
astronomical rates of obesity, right? It's basically what would happen if all of life was turned into a luxury cruise. I don't know. Kind of sounds like a lot of the Western world and especially America, even the poor people in our country. Think about this. The poor people in our country at Walmart are usually obese. That's a weird condition. Poor people are obese. But it's not actually that shocking when you look at our modern world. In addition to diet, men are more sedentary than ever. The only physically hard things that men have to do are pursued voluntarily and with great effort, like going to the gym, right? Desk jobs don't require movement, sunlight, or physical exertion. And so men are, as a result, weaker and weaker than ever by the year. You can look at rates of grip strength, chest size, biceps, different way that people measure these, and it all continues to go down and down and down. We have to talk about, instead, things like standing desks and putting a treadmill at your desk because men are becoming crippled over, you guessed it, spending their lives at desks. Men are having knee and hip problems because they sit all day. I mean, think about human history. That would have been absolutely absurd to even say that. And without strength, men are more dependent on others and susceptible to tyrannical overreach. That's the thing that is often overlooked and missed. What about nutrition and what about the water supply? Well, as it turns out, there's something in the water. There are, after all, environmental factors that play upon masculine and feminine hormones, like the use of chemical pesticides. You know, to me, it seems somewhat absurd, I have to admit, when Alex Jones first said that the water was turning the frogs gay. But then I started reading the studies, which point out that in our water supply, that means our groundwater, reservoirs, and rivers, they are filled with fairly large amounts of pesticides, chemicals, and estrogenic compounds. One might ask the question, where does the estrogen in the water come from? Well, it's from pharmaceuticals that are flushed down the toilet. You know, Remember, they used to tell you to do that with things like the birth control. And guess what? The birth control is full of things like estrogen. Of course, the lefties want to blame the cows, but that is also nonsense. Millions of bison roamed the Great Plains at one point in America, and I can assure you the Indians weren't turning gay because of estrogen-laced water. No, in fact, I think it's because of pesticides and, again, pharmaceuticals being flushed down the toilet. It's almost like with Moses, where the people are made to drink their idolatry. It seems that the American people are drinking in judgment. One of the most well-researched pesticides, by the way, is atrazine which is widely used in the U.S. and present, very much so present, in our water supply. According to one report, groundwater tests in the Midwest around row cropping showed substantial amounts of atrazine. The report cites a study from the Journal of Steroid Biochemistry and Molecular Biology, which shows that atrazine leads to, quote, the demasculinization and feminization of male gonads. What the heck does that mean? Well, I want to read you this quote. The report goes on. It says, First, you may be wondering what the heck is the demasculinization and feminization of male gonads. Actually, I was wondering that. Put plainly, atrazine shrinks testicles, it reduces sperm count, and can even make males grow ovaries. This is the pesticide that they're putting on your crops. Or as the authors put it, demasculization is a decrease in male gonadal characteristics, including the decrease in testicular size, decrease in Sertoli cell number, decrease in sperm production, and decrease in androgen production. In other words, not good. 
No wonder there are more beta males than ever. Our food and water supplies are literally chock full of chemicals that are castrating men. Again, one can't help but look at the globalist population control measures and think that this is intentional. In fact, they know these studies exist and nothing is being done about them. About the situation with our food and water, Norbin Laden had this to say, quote, Looking at the past 100 years, it is clear for those of us who have gone down the rabbit hole, the people at the very top of the pyramid have gone to great lengths to deliberately poison us, mind, body, and soul. Weak populations are easier to control. Let me read the end of that quote again. Weak populations are easier to control, end quote. And I think that's the point in all of this. It's intentional, and they know that men without testosterone aren't men at all. And so it's an active goal of the globalist agenda. It's not a stretch to conclude that the societal planners, again, I said, those who are obsessed with population and food control, it's not a stretch to conclude that they would intentionally alter our food and water to achieve their ends. They make the food at Nestle and wherever else that makes you sick and fat and die early. And then they also sell you the drugs and the statins and everything else that don't actually take care of the problem. They get rich off of you being unhealthy. We've already seen them do this with the medical establishment during the last couple of years. They weaponize doctors, corporate entities, banks, and more to force people into compliance. And by the way, they made billions selling the vaccine to people. And yet, despite all of this, despite all the money that's spent on food and medicine, we're unhealthier than ever. We are, in fact, a fat nation. According to data from 2019, nearly 35% of Americans are classified as obese. That number continues to skyrocket with rates of diabetes, stroke, cancer, and heart disease racing to keep up. And yes, it's largely because of the processed crap they've been recommending and demanding that we eat. What is often not reported, however, is that the fat in your body acts as its own organ system. Yes, that's right. The fat in your body acts as its own organ system. And among other things, it produces estrogen. So to make a really long story short and to skip all the scientific details, the fatter you are, the more your body produces estrogen and the more emasculated you become. It's sort of like an Austin Powers. It's the fat bastard cycle. The fatter you are, the more estrogen, the more estrogen, the fatter you are. Consider even the aesthetic effects of obesity, let alone the other health problems. Aesthetically, it causes the body's natural form to be hidden beneath layers of adipose tissue. Fat enough, you can't tell what's a man and what's a woman. Men start to look more androgynous, and so do women. They lose muscle definition, men do, and look more and more like women with love handles, man boobs, lumpy arms, the whole works. You can't tell it's a man anymore. It doesn't look like one. You feel worse, your T-levels tank, and you stop doing what Paul commanded. You stop acting like men. Well, that's one huge reason that Dan and I started the project with Carnivore. It was one of the reasons we said, hey, listen, if we're going to be in this masculinity space and we're going to be leading other men, then we have to actually be the kind of guys that are worth following. And that includes our physical form. One of the things that has been so annoying through the years is to see fat pastors, you know, complaining about things like, oh, don't drink alcohol. Alcohol is so bad for you. It's like, well, you're like a heart attack on stage. 
right? We have to address those issues as well. And so we want to and need to be good leaders. Carnivore, by the way, we'll give an update on this, but Carnivore has been going very well. I think Dan's lost something like 20 pounds. Uh, I've continued to uh, add bulk. I'm definitely not trying to lose as much uh, on the on the weight front, but trying to add weight on the barbell. So that's been really good. I lost about six pounds still and increasingly adding more and more weight, uh, doing a weightlifting program through Barbell Logic with Mr. Matt Reynolds. That's been phenomenal. And so both of us feel better. We look better, right? You fit in your hunting clothes again. You, you've all been there every year. You put your hunting pants on and you're like, I, my wife wants to shrunk these in the, in the dryer. What happened? This year, we, we went out elk hunting. It was absolutely wonderful. Felt great. Didn't have to deal with spiking and lowering uh, glucose levels. So it was really awesome. But the point is that we're taking it seriously and pastors need to. They need to be a model for their men in all ways, including the physical. And again, this is one of the reasons we've done, and I've done barbell training to build strength, to add muscle mass, to have a chest, to not have limp wrists. I think one of the things that we can often talk about is like these things just come naturally. Well, we'd certainly genetics plays a role. You know, as a European descendant, I tend to be famine resistant, really easy to add fat, especially to the midsection. So it takes a lot of work to build strength, right? To keep lean muscle mass on your body. But these are some of the ways that you can do that. And it's something that we should be pursuing as men. It's discipline. It's hard work. Like Paul said, you have to buffet your body. It's not easy, but it's good for you as a man. I, I want to ask this question as well. Why is it bad for Western civilization that we should have so many beta males, right? And it's not just a moral problem. As we've seen, it's a physical environmental problem. Like the reason we're seeing, one reason we're seeing so many beta males, not only because the education system is encouraging gayness, but it's also because there are real environmental factors. But I want to ask that question again. Why is this bad for Western civ? Well, it's really simple. Weak, frail, overweight, chronically sick men are easily oppressed men, right? They're a prime target for tyranny, oppression, and statist overreach. They are not the kind of men who build Christendom. We think about the men in Exodus chapter one and two, right? Pharaoh knew that the young men were the problem. And so there was really a dual strategy. Number one, they oppressed them. If you go to a job and you, you are forced into oppressive labor, you have no strength left. You have no strength left when you come home. You're not going to build things. You're not going to resist tyranny. You're just going to be in this state of exhaustion all the time. And that's where tyrants want to keep you. That's one of the places they want to keep you is oppressed, stressed out, right? Think about America. We actually don't need to work as hard as people work, right? We're more prosperous than ever. And yet the hours continue to go up, right? There's a book, BS Jobs, that talks about this. Most of the work is unnecessary that we do in the first place. And yet we're working all these hours and we're, we're just encouraged by corporate America to do this. I would warrant that one of the reasons why is because when you're burned out and stressed out and overloaded, you're not the kind of guy who's going to resist tyranny. You're not the kind of guy who's going to build up his community. You're not the kind of guy who's going to invest heavily in training and teaching his children. You're just tired. So you let the state take over. Like, this is what they want. They want you to be oppressed. Well, what was the other thing that Pharaoh did? They killed the sons. And you say, oh, that could not happen in today's world. Think about Planned Parenthood. What are they doing? They're encouraging men and women to have promiscuous sex, to fornicate, and then to kill their children. So they want you weak men, 
and they want to kill your kids. They want you weak and they want to kill your kids. Why? This type of population is easy to control. It's easy to be a tyrant in this sort of situation. And here's the other thing. If you're one of those guys, you're not going to be building Christendom. Low T guys are not building Christendom. That's by and large the truth. Look at the men who built Christendom 1.0. Men on our show, we've talked about Constantine, Alfred the Great. Definitely don't seem like low T guys, right? They had energy, drive, passion. They're raising families, right? But what's happened with the beta male? They're not virile, which means they're less likely to pursue women in the first place. Read the data. Less and less people getting married. Less and less people having sex. You can just watch porn on TV. You don't even need to to have sex to pursue a woman, to raise a family. And so the beta males are not doing that. It's one of the key reasons you think about it from a societal planner globalist mindset. You say, well, we, we promote pornography, the pill on demand, abortion. We promote all that. We promote homosexuality. And it's a way to control the population. It's a way for people to keep from reproducing. I don't know if you know this, but homosexuals do not produce children. I know. It's so confusing. They're not the kind of people who are going to raise families. Right? This is, again, one big reason population in Western countries is so dangerously low. Read Pat Buchanan, The Death of the West. It is not the case that Western countries are population explosions. It is the case that Western culture is dying and they're using immigration to dilute cultures and nations and to destabilize and bring in socialist regimes. That's what they're doing. So to put it all very simply, the rise of beta males, if it goes unchecked, will also be the death of the West, right? If you just have a society of beta men, you have no protection for your community. You don't have men who build things. You don't have men who are violent in the right ways to defend culture and society and civilization. Beta male culture is doomed for extinction, and so is a feminist-driven culture. And the Marxists and the socialists understand, and they know this. So a question arises, what can we do about all of this? What can we do? Well, it's clear from man's creational nature, which we find in Genesis 1 and 2, that men are hardwired for taking dominion of the earth. Men are hardwired and given this mission from God of taking dominion of the earth. They are to be the builders of civilizations. They are to conquer unknown lands. They are to defeat bloodthirsty pagan hordes. They are to establish churches and art and other forms of culture. Right? At the most elemental level, men are called and endowed with a nature that allows them to get married, to be driven to have sex and to produce offspring, pleasure and procreation. They are builders and warriors, these men. And they are builders and warriors that are fueled by testosterone. They are fueled by testosterone. So that's right. Testosterone was God's idea. It was the way that he weaponized his men for this great work of culture building. It is a gift, this hormone, for fueling dominion work. And that work of dominion requires healthy male hormones, physical strength, and proper nutrition. So put it another way, if we want to see Christendom built up, we need to help men gain mastery over their hormone health. We need testosterone-filled men with courage and with chests and with muscle to do this great work of cultural and church reformation. This is why I've said proper nutrition, sexual health, hormones, 
physical fitness, they are not secondary issues when we're talking about building Christendom and doing the work of the kingdom. They are central to fulfilling the dominion mandate. So we have to be talking about these things. It's also why I find it so dumb that to this very day, there are fat pastors online mocking men who want to discipline, fuel, and improve their bodies and mocking those of us who are trying to encourage young men in those endeavors. As the kids these days say about the fat pastors doing all this, in GMI, they're not going to make it. Those who are pitting physical strength against spiritual qualities, rather than viewing them biblically as working in tandem, well, it's Gnostic, it's unhelpful, and it's gay, and they're not going to make it. So what are some of the things that we could learn from this? What can we do by way of practical application? Well, number one, I would say pastors, fathers, older men, you need to be modeling physical discipline for the sake of your young sons and for the sake of hormone health. Testosterone, everything going on in the culture, we need to start reading about this. We need to know what's going on. We need to understand the play of the globalists. We need to understand the poverty of quote unquote nutrition and food that's being forced down our throats. Right? We need to take this seriously because it's destroying us as men. And, and I think, look, as fathers especially, I'll say this. You start taking dominion of your own body. You start thinking about what you put in it. You start doing the research. And then you look at your boys and you're like, well, I can't sit here and eat quality meat and quality things I've grown in my garden and then give my kids like refined carbohydrate, mac and cheese, let them carb load, watch them get fat and see their hormones be destroyed. Like you can't do that. And so it's going to take an investment. It's going to take things like if you want to start slunking eggs, like we're going to have to raise chickens, right? We're, we're going to have to get those chickens locally and, and raw eggs, right? And you can read up on this. It's not a, a joke. It's, it's literally, this stuff is healthy, right? So you've got to model it though, because there's so many young men that are looking to their fathers and when they see their fathers in the faith and in the church especially, and they're like, oh, if you care about your body, you're vain, right? We're going to lose this generation of young men. This is why I think they're so attracted to the intellectual dark web guys. Because most of those guys are willing to talk about physical health. Andrew Huberman is one good example. Jocko Willink, Joe Rogan. These guys are taking their health seriously. And so this is something young men are interested in. And we should be interested in well. And we should also be leading our sons. So pastors and fathers, older men, I would encourage you to take this seriously. Second, I would say that the church needs to hear church needs to hear that being a soft, effeminate beta male is unacceptable and sinful, right? Unfortunately, what's going on in the church today is we're actually encouraging this model of masculinity, right? We're encouraging this model of masculinity, which is really just an adaptation of the secular model in the secular culture at large, a culture that hates the Lord and wants to undermine biblical sexuality, wants to encourage the women to become like men, and wants to encourage the men to become like women. Ladies, go play basketball all through college and tear your bodies apart, even though you're not made to do that. Meanwhile, we're going to discourage you from having children. Never mind the fact that you stop having a period because you're participating so actively in sports. Never mind that fact. And men, by the way, we're going to encourage things like homosexuality, right? We're going to encourage transgenderism. So you can go beat those same ladies at sports, right? All of this is our society's way of promoting chaos in turning things on their head. And again, so what we need to hear is, look, 
as Paul did, call the men in your church to be men and then show them what that looks like. Be brave, be courageous, be a provider, be a protector. The main thing about masculinity is not getting in touch with your emotional self. The main thing is not being able to sit on the couch with your wife and identify with all of her hormonal, emotional states, right? You are primarily a provider and a protector. This is where you need to call your men to be excellent. Being a beta male, not good. And practically, it just gets into issues. Like if you see this stuff going on, you have to address it. Men should carry themselves in a certain way. I encourage my sons, we weight lift together. I'm encouraging them to lift a barbell. I'm encouraging them to be strong. We take them hunting. These conditions suck. It's negative five. You're cold. Your feet are frozen. You stepped in the river. You didn't wear the boots you were supposed to. Guess what? You got to tough it out. We got to make it through this experience. That's what men are for. You're supposed to carry the load. You're not weak, right? You have to expose yourself voluntarily to hardship. Meanwhile, being soft, always wanting comfort, right? That's not what you're made for as a man. So again, we need churches, leaders, and pastors who model this and who call their men to a masculine standard that's set out in scripture very clearly. Number three, men need to be encouraged to pursue biblical masculinity in conjunction with the cultivation of healthy hormone and especially with testosterone. So we need to learn. This is something I never even knew existed. I didn't know that eating a ton of refined carbohydrates being incredibly overweight would have any bearing on my hormonal state. I just didn't even know those things were true. But that's something that we'll talk more about in the after hours for this show. There's a ton of resources that you should be looking into. There's a ton of things that with just a little bit of podcast, a little bit of knowledge, you can start shaping your diet, your workout regimen so that you are taking mastery of your hormone health. Because here's the reality. If you have hyper low T, if you're sleeping terribly, you feel terrible, how productive are you going to be for the sake of the kingdom? Well, not very, right? So you have to take dominion of your physical body so that it can be useful for building up your family, for working for a long period of time in your life, right? How long can you be a productive wage earner? How long can you support a family? All of that is dependent on how well you take care of your body, right? If you're eating junk food, sugar, carbohydrates, you're not exercising, you have poor physical health, you're overweight, you're prone to chronic conditions like heart disease, cancer, diabetes, right? You're not going to be a healthy individual. It's going to limit how productive you can be for the kingdom. And so again, to be the men who build new Christendom, we need to take the physical very seriously. And that means we need to start by learning. Number four, number four, pastors, I want to encourage you not to be intimidated by young men and particularly not to be intimidated by high T guys, right? When you read books like Why Men Hate Going to Church, one of the things that David Murrow is really good at pointing out is that when you fill a church with young, energetic men, the church grows. It brings in families and women and children. You start to see new programs being invested in, right? You see the church growing in the community. When young men are not present, the church will die. But here's what it means that oftentimes when you have high T young guys in your church, you're going to have guys who are sometimes difficult to deal with, right? You're going to have guys with lots of energy and lots of questions. And a lot of older pastors can be very intimidated by that. They don't know what to do with these guys. And so one of the things they try to do is clip them and neuter them, right? They're always, I think this is what's going on on social media too. A lot of the older pastors are always taking shots at the young guys. Very little encouragement. 
you got a fat pastor telling young guys that they're navel gazers because they want to lift a barbell. Well, there probably is some vainglory there. There probably is some youthful pride. But if you're always taking shots at them, you're not being a father, right? Fathers exhort, they encourage, they come alongside. That's what we're supposed to be doing with these young men. And realize that these young men full of high testosterone are the ones who are going to be strong in building the new Christendom, right? They need fathers, but it means that we have to exhort, we have to encourage, we can't just take shots. You cannot exasperate your sons. And we can't exasperate the sons in the church if we expect to build Christendom, right? Don't shame the young men for wanting to care for their bodies. That's a good desire, right? It's the same with sexual desire. You see a young man and he's looking at pornography and you say, listen, your sexual desire is good. The way that you're employing it in the real world is terrible. You should be aiming that at finding a wife, building a family, making love to her, right? Producing offspring pouring out your sexual energy into the right place, into your wife, into your family, using it to build something, not to destroy. But you don't say to men, man, that sexual desire is horrible. You just, that's disgusting. You know, this is the problem with like Augustine. His view on sexuality was, was bad. It was because there was sexual sin in his life. But let's not make that mistake. We need to help our young men channel their energies in the right way. So right when a young man comes and he says, I got all this energy, I want to do some building. And you go, oh, you don't know anything, you idiot. Right? You don't do that. What you say to him is, let's find a way to channel the energy. Let's find a way for you to be physically useful. So I do this with my sons. You know, they spend the year in St. Brandon's Classical Academy. They're doing the school. It's great. But, you know, we get to the summertime and the boys are like, it's warm out. I want to use my body. So what do we do? Well, we find jobs like woodworking and carpentry where they can go and they can use their bodies all day. And then you know what? They come home and they're more satisfied because that's what men are for. You don't just shame them for having physical strength. You point them in the right direction. So one of the things I would encourage older pastors, any pastor, one of the things you can do for your young men is just listen to them. Listen to their problems. Learn how to empathize with them. Interact with them encourage them and offer them valuable exhortation and correction. This is one of the things that I learned early on. I saw young men reading Jordan Peterson. And instead of getting mad and jealous that Jordan had their attention, I said, what, what is he doing? What is he doing? And what, what he, you, you pay attention, you realize, well, Jordan is listening to their problems. And he has some actually pretty helpful things to say to them. But most of all, he's empathized, right? He's willing to hear them out and not treat them like idiots. So we can learn from that, right? You're going to have to correct various forms of vanity, right? Problems. Most of the high T young men, it's kind of like pulling back on the reins. That's what you end up doing with them. But you know what? That's a lot easier than spurring people all the time and saying, come on, do something, right? Again, don't tell them that working out and eating well is inherently vainglorious. Instead, encourage them and set a good example for pursuing physical and hormonal health. All right, finally, I want to close with this. There are practical steps that you can take to get control and to take dominion of your physical body and promote hormone health. Again, we'll talk more about resources in the after hours, some really good things that you can use. Number one, I would recommend barbell training, strength training. So as I mentioned in the show, I use Barbell Logic. Uh, Matt Reynolds is my coach, which I feel pretty spoiled to be able to say that. Matt is phenomenal. 
one of the best coaches I've ever been around, watched, seen. You can see some of their content on YouTube, barbelllogic.com as well. Listen, if you want to grow as a man, you got to learn how to discipline yourself. You need the accountability. I know I do. Matt sends me workouts. I do the workouts. I participate in them. And it's it's convicting because I have to send a video, right? That last set, I got to send in my video. Matt's going to coach me. He's going to encourage. But I tell you what, you get to the end of the day sometimes, and you're like, ah, I'll just skip a workout. No, no, I can't do that, right? Matt's going to follow up, and he's going to be like, dude, what happened? Don't you run the Hard Man podcast? I thought you were a hard man, whatever. It's never actually happened, right? But I know that it would. And so that spurs me on. Having other men alongside you, maybe it's a lifting partner, right? Having somebody to hold you accountable. Barbell Logic Coaching is one of those ways. I would definitely recommend that. If you want to check out some coaching, they got great deals this holiday season. You can sign up, sign up your wife, sign up your kids, sign up your loved one. I absolutely love it. Great coaching, wonderful programming. You can use their app. Really simple. Learn how to lift heavyweights, deadlift, bench press, shoulder press, overhead press. Phenomenal stuff. Check out barbellogic.com slash hard men. You can use that code to help support this show and also get some great coaching for yourself. So barbell training right? This is something that Bab talks about. You got to have sun and steel. You got to be able to do that in our world because most guys are not working in a way with their bodies that their natural, natural work is going to produce that. So again, highly recommend barbell training, increase your strength, be harder to kill, right? Be the kind of guy who's going to have longevity. And of course, strength is tied to longevity. Number two, and equally as important is proper nutrition, right? I've tried to keep this pretty simple. Obviously right now I'm doing carnivore so carnivore is actually really, really, really simple. And that's actually what I love about it. I think we're about two months in, but look, we're eating meat, uh, predominantly red meat. You got some dairy, you got some cheese, right? I don't generally drink milk, raw milk, our family does. Uh, but generally I'm just drinking the, the cream, which I love, right? The cream is just fat, so no carbs, no sugar, pretty much. But here, even if I wasn't doing carnivore, this is what I would say. If you can grow it or kill it, it's probably healthy, right? If you can grow it in your backyard or you can kill it, it's probably healthy. If you can grow it in your garden, it's probably healthy, right? The thing we want to avoid is processed foods. If you want to just keep this very, very simple, processed foods, refined carbohydrates, they put that garbage in everything. Seed oils, avoid it, right? Real food. Uh, in metabolical, I think it is, he says in there, look, listen, if they got a food label on it, you probably want to try to avoid it. Again, the point is avoid the stuff in the middle of the grocery store. We'll talk more about resources and books in the after hours for this episode. I'll list a bunch of stuff, a lot of resources I'm using. Uh, I've, by the way, I've gotten phenomenal advice from Matt. That's the other thing uh, with Barbell Logic, you get the coaching the nutritional advice. Uh, early on in carnivore, I was working out and I was like, man, I'm really exhausted during a lot of these workouts. And Matt was like, well, I would probably just increase your food intake. You're probably not eating enough, which I wasn't. And, um, you know, so we did that. And he said, hey, if you need a little energy boost, have a shot of espresso, get rid of all the junky pre-workout stuff. Just have some espresso. You can also have a glass of uh, raw milk. It's got carbohydrates, some sugar. You burn that stuff off during the workout, doesn't mess with your ketogenic state. And uh, I've tried that as well. Both of those things work phenomenally well. Never would have thought about that. Didn't read it online. 
Uh, but that is one of the benefits of having somebody who absolutely knows what they're doing. So proper nutrition is going to be key. And I think some of you guys just need the encouragement. I know a lot of guys who have the money, they're well-to-do, they're really successful guys, and your physical health comes last. And so I would say, just encourage you, sign up for the coaching, find a gym, find a local something. I don't really care, but you need to get in the gym and you need to take care of your nutrition, have somebody who's helping you and holding you accountable, right? If you're fat, if you're overweight, you're not sleeping, your sex life is bad, it's going to mess with your hormones. And again, the, the whole point of it is we're whole people. And I want you guys to be strong. I want you to be fit. I want you to be productive for your family's sake, for your own sake, and for sake of the kingdom, right? So we got to take our nutrition and our physical health seriously. The other last thing I'll say about physical health and nutrition, uh, doing carnivore, working out, all that good stuff, man, I feel a million times better. It's just the way that you feel as a man when you're like, you're getting up early, like you're disciplining yourself. I talk about this all the time with John Moody. You just feel better, right? You have more vitality during the day. You can go harder. You can push harder. You can carry more weight, right? Your wife takes you more seriously. You look good. She knows it. That's a good thing, right? So taking dominion of your food and your exercise. Number three thing that I'll mention, these are the practical steps. Number three, sleep. You really have to take sleep seriously, right? Going to bed at the same time. Again, check out some resources in the after hours. We'll talk more about this. There's some sleep planning, stuff that you can get into. If you're having trouble in that area, ways to address it, right? But sleep is key. Generally, I like to get at least eight hours. It really helps me. I'm more productive if I wake up early in the morning. And I thought I got up early. And then Matt was like, yeah, I get up at like four. I was like, I thought like seven was early. So I'm trying to get up a little earlier today. I did actually get up at 4 a.m., not intentionally, but uh, I think the ghost of Matt was probably hunting me. So uh, I got up at four and uh, you know what? Got a lot done. If you, that four to seven, uh, I know Headmaster Love here at St. Brandon's is the same way. He gets up super early, totally productive hours. People are still asleep. It just sets your day right. So, you know, be on top of your sleep. Again, listen to the after hours. We'll have more to say about that. Number four thing I would mention is sex, right? So many guys, we talk counseling guys and gals, and it's the frequency is off. The communication is off. It's not enjoyable, pleasurable, whatever you name it. There's problems. I would just say for, for here and now, like you have to address those things. If you're not having regular, meaningful, pleasurable sex with your spouse, that's something that you need to address because it's very much a factor for hormone health. And a lot of times, if, if there's no interest there uh, for men or for women, then there's likely there's something hormonally, physically uh, that needs to be tackled. So a lot of times it's like a warning light on the dash. You know, when people say like, oh yeah, I just, you know, I'm only interested once every month or every couple of weeks. That's, that's all I'm interested. Well, there's probably something going on. So I just encourage you, Look into that, right? There's a lot of resources. Again, we'll provide more of that in the after hours. But sex is a huge part of hormone health. It's a huge part of a healthy marriage and relationship as well. Typically, I say if, if you have a sexless marriage, it's, it's not generally going to be healthy. So again, would encourage you to address that. After that, I would say sunlight. 
right? One of the things that we are designed for is sunlight. We're not designed to sit under artificial light all day long, which is, you think about it. I remember Joel Salatin saying this. He said, if they put the chickens in cages, do you really think that it's that different when they put you in the cubicles under the artificial light? Like, do you feel good after a, you know, eight hour shift at a cubicle staring at carpet and a computer screen? Multiply that by years and years and years. No, you did not feel good. There's been long-term health effects on people that have been well-documented. We mentioned those earlier. Men and women need sunlight. Human beings need sunlight. One of the interesting things is if you wake up early in the morning, right? you wake up, you go outside, you immediately expose your eyes to direct sunlight for something like 15 minutes, then your body is hardwired, responding to that sunlight, that roughly 16 hours later, you will want to go to bed. It's really interesting when you think about it too. I was thinking about this with the, the rut cycles with elk and deer. A lot of people think it's weather related. Certainly weather plays a factor in how active during the day elk are, say, during the rut or mule deer. Certainly that's true. But the whole rut cycle is controlled by the photosynthetic period, like daylight. So, and it changes, you know, where you are in America and different parts of the world because of the daylight. When you think about that, it's like, that actually makes sense. God has hardwired these animals so that the daylight is impacting when they breed, right? Well, the same thing is true on a daily basis for humans. We are made so that we are taking in sunlight through our eyeballs, in our skin. It's good for us. And we need that sunlight, vitamin D, it's good for you. And then finally, the last thing I'll say is we've been talking about water. Uh, One of the things we started doing is filtering water. It's not going to take care of every problem. Obviously, the ultimate solution would be to get these corporations and global homo to stop putting all that crap in our soil and in our water. But in the meantime, what can you control? Uh, You can buy a Berkey, right? You can filter your water. We do that. It's got a fluoride filter in it. If you buy that, it's extra, but that's a good idea. Fluoride filter. You had your charcoal filters. Drink your water through a Berkey. Uh, There's some different filters too that I think are pretty good. That just happens to be the one that we use. A lot of people in the church use, right? But that's something definitely to address. And Berkey's, by the way, they got some pretty good information on their website about that, the estrogen in the water, how that helps, et cetera. So those are some of the uh, things you can take care of in your daily life. Last thing I'll say, well, two things in clothing. Um, I'm going to be doing a podcast series upcoming with John Moody. We're going to be talking about hormone health. John is, of course, the crazy-haired, wonderful man who uh, has been on this show before. And we've talked quite a bit about testosterone and men's health. We're going to talk about more in-depth about some of these factors that play into your hormone health, things to look out for, and um, how you can be really establishing a life that's, that's healthier. I used to think a lot of this was crazy. Then I started reading the re- research on it. I was like, no, actually, this stuff is real. It's documented. And so we need to be actively taking measures, especially for the sake of hormone health. And then finally, the thing that I will mention is an upcoming, we'll be talking about uh, Raw Egg Nationalist, Ren's book, The Eggs Benedict Option, phenomenal book. Well, first of all, phenomenal title, as I said before, but that's a great book. We're talking about really how food has been weaponized. And there's a reason that food is so central to the globalist agenda. So what things could you do uh, to take back the power for yourself? What things can we do as communities so that we have the power 
And uh, why are things like egg slonking, drinking raw eggs, why is that such a big thing? What are the health benefits? We'll be talking about that in an upcoming episode. Once again, we appreciate all our Patreon supporters. It goes a long way to producing this content, supporting New Christendom Press as well. And uh, we'd encourage you to check that out, newchristendompress.com. You can also check out Bright Hearth and the King's Hall. Season two is upcoming, by the way. We're in production for the King's Hall season two. That should drop early January for a completely new season. Very excited about that. That is the project that I do with Dan Burkholder and Pastor Brian Sauvey. And uh, we are seeking to uh, help men rebuild Christendom. So if you're interested in that project, please check that out as well. You can support all the shows on Patreon. And again, go to ericon.com. You can check out apparel, get the Virtus t-shirts. I'm wearing one right now. And you can check out also the Pietas t-shirt. All of that can be sent directly to your door through the website. Again, ericon.com. Finally, special thanks to Barbell Logic. Really appreciate those guys partnering with me, Matt Reynolds. If you are interested in coaching, be sure to check out barbelllogic.com slash hard men. Once again, thank you for listening to this show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate all of our listeners. And until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.